White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow, Carlton Burns has put the White Sox ahead. There goes number 400 for Big Brad Burns. takes a perfect game. His second no-hitter. You can't put it on the board. Yeah. And that go, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson. This one is... Locked on socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey. And the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Socks podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome back to Locked On Socks. We're joining you right after... The White Sox lose to the Minnesota Twins 10-5 in the season lid lifter. Very sad game, but we're, I'm Herb Lawrence. I'm here with my host, Chris Tannehill. Chris, how you doing after this sad, sad loss? Well, and the season's over. Season's over, but this episode of Locked on White Sox <laughs> is brought to you by rockauto.com. And where do we begin, Herbie? I, the best place to start would be starting pitcher Lucas Giolito, supposed to be your ace, supposed to be your number one. Uh, first opening day start for Lucas Giolito, and it was pretty under, underwhelming. Uh, he didn't get a lot of help from his defense, uh, among other things. We'll get to that in a second. So Lucas Giolito... Gives up the first pitch home run to Max Kepler, and everyone kind of felt that here we go again uh, mentality. I, I know I certainly did. It, what a way to just crush five months of anticipation and waiting for our great game to return, then uh, then a leadoff home run. Figure okay, we could we could shake that off a little bit and and move on. But Leori Garcia in in the first inning, there was an opportunity there to turn a double play ground ball and maybe you know relieve some of some of the pressure and stop the bleeding a little bit uh, but instead it just compounded more and more the twin scoring four runs in that first inning and just Lucas was not particularly sharp tonight he had I think some adrenaline issues that Stoney mentioned uh, on early in the broadcast talking about how it's very tough for a guy making his first opening day start no fans or not to come out there and and be calm so he was fighting the adrenaline a little bit and you could see that come through he didn't have a good command on his uh, on his changeup and he really didn't have a really good command on anything particularly until the uh, the second or third inning where all of a sudden he got his breaking ball over for strike and he started mixing things up a little bit but how would you evaluate Lucas Giolito tonight just maybe way too amped up um, the fastball given up the home run given up to Max Kepler at the beginning of the game that's excusable you know just trying to get a pitch over the man's looking dead red you don't know that he did a good job putting his hands in and murdering that ball then the subsequent inning i mean he yeah the double play could have happened but you have to pitch over mistakes and uh miss the strike three call on a player where or i think it would have been a one two count yeah. low strike which the ump for his to give him credit he was consistently not giving the low strike the whole day. So. Tim Tim Welke tonight, right? Yeah, I was pissed, but you know, if you're consistent, you really can't have a gripe. So yeah, I think that he settled down after his team picked him up, got the four runs in the second inning to tie the game up. 
pitched a good third inning and then just ran out of it in the fourth. Maybe he was supposed to get out exactly at the 80 pitch mark or not. Uh, that's what it looked like to me. I mean, he gave up a couple of base runners there, but I think he was looking a little bit better than he was in the first inning. And, but Rick just saw enough of him and saw that he didn't have it tonight. And that's fine. We know that he will be fine when the season progresses and he pitches versus other teams. Sony, I think, brought up the point that he's hit or miss versus the Twins. Either he's lights out or he gets rocked. So I'll take this rocking. It's a sad uh, way to start the season. Like you said, it like takes the wind out of our sails. The first game, home run, and then the Twins get up five or get up four. And then you come back and you march back, and then they get back up by five and then close the game out. I hate the Twins, so and their fans and their whole thing upset. <laughs> their so fans are actually nice. The their fans are really nice. I don't know how you can hate no, them. No, <laughs> I hate them. I hate them. They act like they've won multiple championships. They've been running the AL Central for decades. When these some bitches haven't won a playoff game since 2004, f the Twins, man. Just bump them and their superior attitude towards us. The city's garbage. <laughs> Big, biggest attraction is a mall. Get out of here with that garbage. <laughs> Uh, it's boring as hell. Wait a minute, but People they they put too, the way too nice. they put the cheese inside of the burger, Herbie. Oh goodness gracious! What a, what an innovation! I hate the twins. That city's not that great. It's boring. It's a better city, and I hope we beat them two out of three this last weekend. Sorry, locked on twins guy. You know your city's boring. So Saturday, Sunday, the match uh, matchups have changed a little bit. Rich Hill is the scratch tomorrow with a we don't know what's Dick going. Mountain, <laughs> yeah, which I'm pissed off. They haven't given me credit for. I've been calling that man Dick Mountain since. Cubs days. Yeah, I yeah I can I can confirm that. Yeah, why why would you lie? Why would he lie about it, folks? Give the man his credit. So Randy Dopniak is replacing him tomorrow. Former Uber driver, apparently. Uh, he's going to go up against Dallas Keuchel, and that's why you've got Dallas Keuchel here. That's that's why you bring him over here in the off season to uh, to right the ship here tomorrow. And then Sunday is Kenta Maeda versus TBD, but we all believe it's going to be Reynaldo Lopez. So. Uh, early start tomorrow, time to, to bounce back, but back into the ballgame tonight. Lucas Giolito uh, finishing a line uh, three and two-thirds innings pitched, six hits, seven runs, all of them earned, three walks, three strikeouts, giving up the two home runs to uh, Max Kepler, as we mentioned, good for an ERA of 17.18. And we mentioned uh, when Ricky gave him the hook early on in the game there, I thought it was weird. No one on Twitter was really questioning it. I was following along. But they they bring in Evan Marshall with the bases loaded, and I'm thinking at the moment mm-hmm. this is this is of course after White Sox come back to tie, and we'll get to that in a second. But they bring in Evan Marshall in what is probably, and it turned out to be, I think it was the, the highest leverage spot in the ball game against the left-handed hitter uh, was it was Polanco against Polanco. Polanco I, yeah. I, I'm wondering why they didn't bring in Aaron Bummer in that spot. Bummer wasn't great tonight later in the game, but just first well, guessing. Or Jace Fry, who ended up having a nice night himself. But yeah, the Sox use eight pitchers tonight. But you, you, I, at the moment, I was like, this is the highest leverage spot in the ball game because they could break the ball, the uh, game open at that point. Uh, you know, who knows what happens after that? They get the bloop single from from Polanco and it's making it seven five. But did you did you have any uh, reservations about seeing Evan Marshall go in there? I didn't look at the splits ahead of time, but that seemed like a weird spot against a left-handed hitter, Polanco. Yeah, sorry. I, Blanc- Blanco, yeah, I had a big time reservations for that one because of uh, Evan Marshall is a pitch to contact guy. He's not a strikeout guy, and you're not doing the lefty lefty righty light righty matchups thing. So if you want to, you know, take your better pitcher out, Lucas Giolito, 
You don't replace him with a guy who's bad. I mean, Evan Marshall's good, but he's, you know, he's a reliever. There's a reason why he's a reliever, not a starter. And I think, you know, the success he had last year, kind of flukish. Same thing with uh, Alex Colomay. Uh, corrections look like they could be coming this year for Colomay and for Evan Marshall. Like we have always said, it's volatility in the bullpen from year to year. I mean, you can't trust the bullpen numbers unless a guy's got a track record. I would have rather saw Chase Fry or Ross Dadweiler like they brought in if they're not going to bring in Bummer. You know that Ricky's a guy that's going to save Aaron Bummer for what he thinks are the most important out, seven, eight, or ninth innings. Like you said, the sometimes the most highest leverage comes early in the game and you need to shut somebody down bring in either if you brought in jace fry you brought in that weiler or if you brought in Aaron bummer i would say you know what he gets a hit here at least you could say hey he put his team in the best position to win there and the other team just beat him with evan marshall i mean what was he trying to do three straight change-ups there the first two he looked bad on, and then Polanco just adjusted and served to the center field. He's a professional hitter. Of course he's going to get uh, a hit if you're going to throw him the same pitch, and that might be on Yasmani Grandal not you know, uh, adjusting. But you can question the move if it's Evan Marshall or Jimmy Cordero or Herrera versus a lefty. If it puts another lefty versus a lefty, I think everybody in the ballpark is like, or everybody who's watching the game is like, okay, it's not great that he got a single off him or a home run off him, but what do you do when the man just hits a ball off another lefty? And in, in a number in a normal one sixty two, you would you would probably argue, you know, uh, with you'd argue for Ricky's logic there. You know, the game is not you know, winnable or losable at that point, you know, in the big picture, 162, it's not the hugest spot in the world, you know, it's not, you know, late August, September in a, in a pennant race, but we have to look at things a little bit differently here in a 60-game season where everything is weighted just a little bit more, and to that point, we mentioned Leori Garcia earlier who had a rough night uh, all across the board. He had three or four plays go against him, he did not have a good night out there at second base, and, of course, we haven't really covered this part of it yet, but the Sox did not uh, add Nick Madrigal to the big league roster, and they, they sent him back down to Schaumburg. And here's what Rick Hahn said earlier this week in his Zoom call about that decision picking basically Leori Garcia over Nick Madrigal to start at second base this year. We've talked about this for years. We really don't want to let a injury at the big league level affect the timeline for a prospect for promotion. So we really wanted to make this decision over uh, what was best for the club overall, as well as consideration for Nikki's long-term development. Uh, you know, it, it came down to in the end that we felt that the lineup was stronger and overall we were going to be more productive with Lurie at second base, providing us that, you know, switch hitting presence in the lineup. Uh, certainly currently Lurie seems uh uh, his timing and, and readiness seems to be a little ahead of where, where Nicky was over the last couple of weeks. He had, look, he had a, uh, I know the, the overall numbers for the Cactus League going back to Glendale and the three games here aren't, aren't extremely impressive for Nicky, but uh, he certainly uh, much more looked the part over the last three weeks uh, to his credit. He, he 
came in ready to compete and uh we still think the world of him and believe he's going to help us at some point over the course of the summer. Rick, going back to Madrigal real quick, you said back in January, uh, you know, that he had some stuff that he still needed to show you. Uh, and without going into specifics, does he, is that still the case? And how is he going to be able to do that with the challenging circumstances of there not being any minor league games for him to play in? Yeah, that the, the, the absence of games obviously uh, changes how you evaluate readiness and, and, uh, is just one of the anomalies of this season and one of the challenges of this season uh, that every team's presented with. Uh, in the end, we want Nick to be in a good position to succeed when he gets here. Uh, part of that is being able to play on an everyday basis and not being on the bench. So ultimately, uh, it's going to come down to you know his level of consistency and, and what we're seeing from an evaluation standpoint in Schaumburg as well as uh, what opportunities present themselves in Chicago to to make sure he's going to get the opportunity to play every day when the when the time comes. So Rick Hahn says Leori is more advanced at this point than Nick Madrigal. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I believe that. You know, they they see more than than we do. They see the behind the scenes stuff. I, you know. I could take that for face value, whatever. Um, people seem to think that they're playing the service time game. Normally, I'd be skeptical, and I would I would probably agree, but we have to take the socks at their track record here, locking their guys up early when they get a chance, but I wonder how much the pandemic plays into their finances, which is really unfortunate because if you want to give your team the best opportunity to win, Nick Madrigal is probably on the team. If you're, you know, if you're wondering, Nick Madrigal, the glove versus Leori glove, uh, what's the difference? It's got to be marginal. Well, Nick Madrigal won a minor league uh, gold glove last year, so his fielding is yeah. top-notch. And in a game like tonight, they could have used his glove out there. And Rick Hahn says that he could, you know, benefit from more development in Schaumburg. And I ask to do to do what exactly in Schaumburg? Um, I don't I don't understand. I know the Mazar thing really screws them because all of a sudden you need to replace him in right field and the whole Nicky Delmonico thing, which he did not have a great night tonight. I'm, I'm not going to spend my time here ripping Nicky Delmonico. Uh, that's what Sox Twitter is for. Uh, he did not have a good night himself either. And there you have it, Larry, Gar- Larry Garcia at second base tonight, uh, not looking good out there. And it's pretty clear. I, I've been thinking about this for a couple of days. I'm trying to see it from from all angles. But to me, it, it just seems simply, I, I don't know if it, this is Ricky Renteria's call because Leori is like a guy who's been here forever. He, he came over here in the Alex Rios trade. He's been here for a minute and he's just, he's a very versatile yeah. guy, a nice guy to have in the bottom at the bottom of your roster. But I'm sorry, not to start second base on opening day in a, an important 60-game season against the division favorites. Yeah, I don't care what Rick Hahn or um, Ricky Renteria say. This is strictly a service time manipulation move right here for Madrigal. Everybody knows that this is going to be the guy at the end of this year. He's all, all of a sudden going to get great at da- goddamn Schaumburg, where they're doing nothing but practicing. No, this is one thing you can say, okay, everywhere else in this lineup, except for maybe right field, we're going to hit, and we're going to hit well, above average. And if Nick Madrigal, who projects out to be a decent hitter, at least a good singles hitter, doesn't hit initially, he'll still field, as you just brought up, the minor league gold glover for second base last year. The man knows how to play the field, and there's a couple plays I'm thinking about vividly that 
Larry Garcia is exactly what he is. He is a platoon player, a fifth infield or uh, fifth infielder and a fourth outfielder. Not to be starting all these games that he'll be starting. And you're gonna tell me every game counts. Don't tell me this, and then on this other side of your mouth, bring in a backup player to be their starting second baseman, hitting ninth in the lineup. You have an excuse for Nick Magical hitting ninth in the lineup. He's a rookie. We don't want to put too much pressure on him. He, all the rest of these guys are better hitters than them. You shouldn't be hitting ninth if you've been in the league so much as much as uh, Larry Garcia, if he's so goddamn good, if he has a better hit tool than Nick Madrigal, if he's better second baseman than Nick Madrigal, my ass, that is some garbage. And this season doesn't, it's not the balance, doesn't hang in the balance because you don't have Nick Madrigal on the team, but the lying, the, the, the lying straight to our face. I understand they have to lie because they can't just say, we want to put him down for six games so we can get an extra year out of him which makes no sense anyways because he's not going to be a big-time free agent acquisition at the end of his contract. You'll have to pay him pennies on the dollar compared to what you would have to pay Luis Robert or Eloy Jimenez, guys who are going to profile as big-time free agents if they ever hit the market. Nick Madrigal will be one of those guys that will be begging for a contract extension after a couple good years uh, before arbitration. So this makes zero sense. It's a penny-wise and pound-foolish move by the White Sox, if it comes from Ryan, so if it comes from Kenny, comes from Hahn or Ricky Renteria, all of them need to be pay, paying for this mistake. It's a dumb thing. I hope they have a mea culpa after tonight. They say, you know what, we got to have our best 30 here, and Nick Madrigal is one of our best 30. And when we pair it down to 26, he's still the best on this team. He's our best second base option. And yeah, we don't have Nomar Mazzara, but We'll have Lurie Garcia or some other guy play right field in the interim because we need to have our best infield out there, especially tomorrow when you have the guy who gives up the most ground balls in the league pitching for you. 60% of his pitch, of his hits contact are ground balls off Dallas Keuchel. So you need the fielders to be behind him and be good. You already have a shaky first baseman. Your shortstop is kind of shaky. And we saw today, Yoan was kind of... Uh, weird on one throw but most for the most part he's good so you need to share up that defense as much as you can especially up the middle Luis Roberts great Timmy's getting better now you need the final piece of Nick Magical to come up and to, to say anything else other than we fucked up or we're playing service times games it's just garbage yeah, I'm just I'm I'm gonna stand by. There's got to be something going on here that that we don't know about. I mean, I, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt for now, but if he's up here in six days, I mean, I'm gonna be just as irate as anyone else. It, it doesn't make sense to me. We know what Leori Garcia's ceiling is. Nick Madrigal, we have no idea what the ceiling is, and you're basically. It, if you keep him down in Schaumburg or up in Schaumburg, you're losing an entire calendar year of development, basically. And what's more important, really? You know, we, I know we're not trying to develop people at the major league level here, but this is the situation presented before us with a 60 game season. You know, it, it's not a perfect situation for anyone, but what would you rather have? Nick Madrigal up here learning from professionals and, you know, taking his lumps while he can, and maybe he comes back next year better for it. Like, what are we doing here? It just, it just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me at face value. This thing will reveal itself in due time one way or another. So we'll just have to hopefully deal with it. Uh, and hopefully, you know, Larry Garcia is not going to have a night like this every night, but the fact that, 
that it happens in day one against the Twins. It was, it's a big game. They're all big at this point, but you got to have that first one, especially with the, the pitching matchups looking the way they looked the rest of the week. And you had your ace, Giolito, out there. And you were able to touch up Barrios a little bit for five runs. You know, like it was a wasted opportunity tonight. And I, and I felt like anyone else at second base, maybe the outcome may have been just a little bit different. Before we move on to the next topic here tonight, Herbie, we want to let you guys know that this episode of Locked on White Sox is also brought to you by our friends at CBDMD. Now, it doesn't matter if you're pro athletes, a stay-at-home parent, maybe a podcaster, radio producer like us, so you just spend eight hours in an uncomfortable office chair. I can relate to that. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our good friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets a little chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover is a product that combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBMD has to offer, they're offering you guys, our Locked On Socks listeners, 25% off your next order when you use the promo code locked on mlb at checkout once again that's cbdmd.com and the promo code is locked on mlb and that'll get you 25 percent off your purchase of superior cbd oil products from cbdmd there are some good things that happened tonight though we got to see the debut of luis robert and thank you to everyone who listened to our first episode of locked on luis robert where we're we've been chronicling or we're going to chronicle Everything that happens to the lad out there, number 88 in center field over the course of the season. And uh, so he gets a first uh, first pitch breaking ball from from Barrios, and he, he lines a rocket shot into left field for his first major league hit. Love the approach. Love the readiness. But, you know, it, what more could you ask for for your first major league at bat? The man looked great today. I mean, he looked a little bad on the strikeout the, the last at bat or the, before that, but uh, fielding, he was excellent. He, you know, he doesn't wait for the ball. He doesn't wait for you know the pitcher to settle in. And like a couple batters today, they were just letting fastballs go right past him down the pipe. No, you're gonna make a mistake in the zone. And I think this is like I told my girlfriend Courtney early. I was like, there. I told her Barrios is not getting out Eloy in the zone. And I felt the same way about Luis Roberts. Like, you got to get him out the zone. If any ball that's close or right in the zone, he's going to hit it and hit it hard. And both of those guys, exit velocities were off the charts. I think. Yeah, Luis Ro- Luis, Luis Robert, he had an exit velocity of 115.8 miles an hour on that first pitch breaking ball from one of the nastiest pitchers in baseball in Barrios. Yeah, and that, since they started keeping exit velocities on StatCast. That is the hardest hit ball in StatCast era for anybody making their debut. That hit. That's, I think that goes back, what, five years? That man is crushing the ball. And then that double hit later was like 108 off the bat. Opposite field. Yeah. The sound is violence. 
Indeed. Yeah, a great night for Luis Robert. You know, you'd hate to see someone like him come out and struggle early, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case, at least through one game. But, you know, I like there's a lot of encouraging things there, a lot of good signs. The fact that he wouldn't, you know, be fooled by the breaking ball early in the first at bat. He was waiting on it. Uh, he, he's impressed me so far a lot in terms of what these guys are trying to do to him. He's he's not looking overmatched yet. In fact, quite the opposite. Uh, some other good nights here. Eloy looked awesome tonight um we'll get to Moncada in a second but but Eloy was two for three tonight um hitting the ball hard every single time seemingly um Moncada coming off the coronavirus protocol amazing the three-run bomb you know give it giving the team a, a boost of energy when they needed it the most hitting the ball very hard tonight he was three for five good for a OPS of 2000 tonight. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was, it was a good night for some of those guys, but bad nights for uh, Nicky Delmonico, who went 0 for Leori Garcia uh, goes 1 for 3. Uh, Jose Abreu didn't have a good night. He went 0 for 4. Um, Edwin Encarnacion 0 for 4. He had one of the odd things that I, I haven't seen in a while in a Major League Baseball game. Gets you know it Could have been a turning point early in the game there. He gets hit by... Uh, you know he, he he grounds the ball out to uh, to third base I believe it was and he gets hit in the leg with the ball and so because of that he's out doesn't touch the, oversteps the bag it was just a weird situation but it looks like he's going to be okay because he only got hit by the ball didn't look like he landed funny on his uh, foot but other than that he'll be okay um, another guy who didn't have the best night I want to hear your thoughts on how he did tonight the uh, the debut the White Sox debut for Yasmani Grandal and l- let's start handling Giolito first before we get to his performance behind the plate. Um, you know, it was a bit of a mixed bag back there for him tonight. He had the pass ball early, and there was bad communication all around on that one. But how would you evaluate uh, how Grandal handled the eight pitchers tonight behind the plate? Badly. He was really bad at calling these pitches, and it's ultimately up to the pitchers to shake him off if they don't want him to throw a pitch. But we saw in the first inning where Max Kepler – rocketed that 95 mile per hour fastball off of Lucas Giolito. Then Max Kepler comes up with a second bat. He's battling versus uh, Lucas Giolito. Uh, he can't really hit his fastball low. He can't really hit his changeup or his slider, but he's battling. So he calls for another fastball in the zone, and Max Kepler deposits that even further out of the ballpark. Like, I don't know the sequencing going on there. He can feel that either his fastball's not there and Max Kepler is sitting on his fastball, and he's that fastball is not getting past him. So we need to go with some off speeds, some sliders, some something in the dirt, a nasty 12-6, something else. And so the pass ball, as you spoke on, was just laziness. And if we're just talking about his catching, I would call it a subpar debut. Uh, do you want to go on to his uh, hitting? Yeah, I, I I agree with you, and it'll be interesting to see who's going to start tomorrow, Saturday, uh, Saturday afternoon, one o'clock game. You know, day game after night game. You have to think McCann's going to be back there, and maybe Grandal will be DHing a little bit. So this will be the first like sort of opportunity to to put this under a microscope and and see who works better with the staff. You know, the the incumbent or the newly acquired free agent. But yeah, um, so Grandal tonight, uh, he goes. Uh, 0 for 3 with a walk and uh, two men left on base. How do you evaluate how he did tonight at the plate? Didn't look great. Very poor. Like the, fir- like the first thing where we were told about Grandal, he takes a lot of pitches, sees a lot of pitches uh, at bat, per at bat, and 
the first pitch he gets fooled and hits his check swing garbage grounder to second base. Understandable. They're not going to hit all these. And I just didn't like his approach. The approach was bad. He was sitting there letting fastballs 3-1. It was a 3-1 fastball. Center cut. Just let that go. He was taking it like it was 3-0. I was like, what are we doing? What are we uh, – what what's your plan there? Like, what were you looking for other than a 3-1 fastball? You should be all over that. And then I think he subsequently either struck out or just did a weak ground ball there. And holy bats, except for the one he walked. And I, there was a couple fastballs in there that he just took down the pipe. And maybe that's his approach, and he needs to feel the game out a little bit more. But as everybody says, this is a sprint. Time to figuring out things are kind of on the shelf now. You need to come to play and come ready to hit. And it seemed like he was letting a lot of opportunities pass. I'm not necessarily a results guy. I'm approach or process guy. That's what I want to know. Like, what the hell were you thinking on 3-1 letting a fastball go past you? That approach, that process is wrong. There's no arguing against it. So I need your approach to be better when you come to the plate. I need your whatever you're doing on setting in the pitcher, you need to do better and then come with that type of plan to the plate and hit the ball. I do, I, it's just so frustrating to have him just let fastballs go down the pipe in a couple, like uh, Edwin Encarnacion did a couple of times. So maybe they're just, you know, veterans and they've got to feel their way out. It's not a regular season. To feel your way out, these some bitches would be out of the playoffs. And uh, we need these guys to be hitters and not observers of straight fastballs down the plate. And speaking of that, so not only do you lose a game to the Twins, but also the Indians win tonight. Um, and so you're sitting there with the Tigers uh, and the Royals at the bottom of the division as it stands after one game. Certainly not time to panic. We'll, we will re- regroup and uh, touch base with you guys after Sunday's game and sort of recap the series as a whole. Uh, a couple other things on my notepad here. Um, it, it was a nice tribute by Benetti uh, to Farmio in the fifth inning there. Mm-hmm. He you know, he said he wasn't getting choked up from, from that, but I, I, I'm not so sure about that. That's okay if he was. Uh, I was getting a little choked up too, and, and Andy Mazur did a great job. I don't know if you saw on the uh, Moncada home run, he did a tribute to Farmio by you know by saying turn on the fireworks and light it up. So that w- that was a very cool moment. It's something we'll be, we're going to be talking about all season long as we as we miss our guy Ed. If you're checking us out on Saturday morning, you, maybe you just wanted to go to bed right after that loss, or maybe you're stewing. Uh, if that's a good thing, if you're stewing about a loss, that's a feeling we haven't had in a long time. But if you're if you're checking out the show on Saturday morning, maybe before the game, uh, what are we looking forward to here by watching Dallas Keuchel go out there for the first time in a Sox uniform? Uniform. I'm looking forward to him inducing ground balls from the Minnesota Twins. They oh have, no, uh, not the second, f- not the second base. Hopefully not, <laughs> but uh, they have a lot of lefty batters. I mean, the first batter of the game, Max Kepler, is lefty. Uh, White Sox killer extraordinaire Eddie Rosario is left-handed. I mean, got a bunch of those guys. Uh, I don't know if there are, some of them are switch hitter, but it's going to be really good to have a lefty on the mound that throws ground balls. And the White Sox got to be on their P's and Q's and be ready to be throwing these guys out once they induce these ground balls. And I'm looking forward to eating tomorrow versus Randy Dubnak, whatever the hell his name is. He could drive Ubers wherever he, all he wants, but when he gets on the mound versus the 2020 White Sox, 
I think that's why Dick Mountain uh, asked out. He saw that the fourth <laughs> inning. He's like, nope, nope, I'm good. I'll miss this start. Get me on the next start. I don't want to face these motherfuckers. They're too good. <laughs> so Randy Dubneck, enjoy this beating. I expect an ass whooping. Oh, no. Like, we don't get this ass whooping on Saturday. I'll come back on Sunday and take my medicine. Uh, Randy Dubnyak last year was two and one with a one five nine ERA and twenty eight in a third innings pitch, twenty three strikeouts, good for a whip of one point one three uh, nine games uh, in his in his career. Uh, so he, he's he's not he's not a tomato can out there, but we'll see. Would, would you it like to nine games? Yeah, it is nine games. Uh, he does have an extremely. I hope they rock him uh, face because he's got the goggles and the uh, handlebar uh, mustache going. Not handlebar, mm. but he's got like the. The uh, I, don't, I don't even know what you call it, like the the, the chops mustache or you know Fumanchu. the the yeah the no goatee but the mustache that goes all the way down the yeah Fu Manchu yeah Fu Manchu he's got one of those going at least in his uh, photo from 2019 but uh, yeah so you know after using eight pitchers tonight you hope Keiko comes out tomorrow and eats up a lot of innings or else you're you're in bad shape going into the into Sunday and into the week going at into Cleveland. Uh, on Monday night, so they, they so Dallas has got to step up already tomorrow. We're in a situation where we need someone to step up. So it's it's going to be like this all year, folks. It's not for the faint of heart. Sixty games in sixty six days. So before we get out of here, Herbie, tonight's episode of Locked On White Sox was brought to you by our friends at RockAuto.com. You know, there's so many different makes and models of automobiles these days. It can be impossible at times to find all the parts you're looking for. At your traditional chain stores, why endure the intimidating questions and trying to find stuff in the aisles while you wait till someone comes around the counter and who's helping someone else and you're waiting to help you? Why do all that silliness when you can just go and visit our friends at rockauto.com? Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Just go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need, absolutely everything you need, in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. And best of all, Herbie, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts at a chain store? No, no, no. Don't need to do that. Just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And don't forget to do this. So important. Write Locked On in their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Uh, I wish I could say to people it's only one game, and it is, and but they all count the same, guys. The, being mad about this is you're supposed to, but the good part about this, there's a game at 1 o'clock today on, or on Saturday. You get to get over this one really quickly and hope that the White Sox can do what they can do to grab a victory versus the Minnesota Twins because going down 0-2 in this type of season – um, might be detrimental, especially when you got to go to Cleveland on Monday. Do you have any regrets by saying uh, knife and fork uh, on your Twitter account when Tyler Clippard came out there because it didn't work out? Should have so. been eaten. Should have been eaten. <laughs> I mean, didn't Eloy get a rocket shot off of him? But, you know, we should have been eaten. Those twins relievers came in and just shut the White Sox offense down. They We're did. Eaten versus Berrios, but we couldn't see 
all these Twins relievers, though, somehow. Yeah, I got I got to tip my cap uh, to the Twins bullpen tonight. I, I thought this game was going to be, you know, a typical late July uh, night, <laughs> Friday night at the old ball yard, you know, especially after high scoring early. But the Twins relievers came in after Berrios came in, uh, May, Clipper, Duffy, and Stashak come in, and, and they, they shut the White Sox down. And, you know, discouraging, you know, but it was a team effort from them tonight, and hopefully it's, it's just one. So the Sox 10-5 to losers tonight. We're back at it tomorrow. Any closing thoughts, Herbie? That's it. No, that's it. And um, for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. We're sad today, but God damn it, we're going to win tomorrow. I'm putting it down, Chris. And we're it. winning tomorrow versus the Twins. And if we don't win tomorrow, I'm going to come and take my medicine on Sunday. Damn it, Dallas Keuchel going out there pitching six and a third, two earned, and we're winning five to two. Let's go. White Sox winner. For Chris Tannehill, it's Herb Lawrence. It's one game. You don't need to be mad, but bring Nick Magical up here immediately, Rick Hahn, if you listen to this on Locked on Socks. <laughs>